Wine TV would like to take a moment and thank our amazing patrons. You continue to blow us straight out of the way with your love and support. It is true. So first up, let's say a big thank you to Alyssa, Alex, Ivy, Patrick, Craig, Norman, Coral, Jen, Michael, Jeremiah, Amelia, Kyle, Jenny, and Jess. Thank you. You guys fucking rule. Metal. All right. And now for our newcomer, Kristen. And that's with a C. Okay. Just in case you were wondering. Okay. Kristen, can we say you are out of this world? Welcome aboard the Damn Fine TV spaceship, where we hope to take you to new galaxies. <gasps> Kristen, we know you just aced your thesis in aerospace sciences, so hopefully you can now sit back, relax, and navigate your way through our never-ending quest to bring you astronomical opinions on all things damn fine. Thank you for supporting the show. Yay, thank you, Kristen. Yay. We're so happy you're here. And thank you to all of our lovely patrons. You guys are truly amazing. And it's always just so much fun to see the community grow and who sticks with us. And can't wait for the next hangout. And here's to many more months together. Yeah. Stay cool. Ooh. Listen, we have but one life. Let's do what we want with it. And if that includes going to hell, live it the way you want. I am the FBI. Uh, no, wait, I'm Jay. And looking to return a set of bad binoculars, I'm Mel's. Welcome to Damn Fine TV's Twin Peaks Rewatch. This week we're covering The Return, Part 16, sometimes known as No Knock, No Doorbell, or as we're calling it, Electricity. Listeners, do you understand a place? We do. It's right here at Damn Fine TV. So grab yourself a martini and some Cheetos and let's rock. This episode first aired on August 27th, 2017. It was written by Mark Frost and David Lynch and directed by David Lynch. And right out of the gate, I'm going to say welcome to our Patreon video for the month of June. Welcome, patrons. All you listeners, head on over to Patreon so you can see our beautiful faces and our smart brains that remember things. All the things. I was, I'm going to give you a cheers. Thank you. For coming right out of the gate with that beauty. Okay. Thank you. Because you blew, so you blew me straight out of the way. That's what I aim I was to like do special every recording. I'm glad <laughs> I achieved it. I'm glad I achieved it up front this week because now the pressure's off. Now I can just relax That's for the rest of the recording. That's always nice. Smooth sailing from yeah, here on out. Yeah. yeah. What a what another banger. I hope everyone left their paper volume dials up past 10 because it's just another banger. Yeah. What a great episode. It's a banger and a mash. 
Is that mm. how that goes? I don't know. <laughs> um, yes, it was a fantastic episode. Gosh, honestly, I, and I think we've we've said this, like starting at probably what fourteen, maybe on. I think it's just a consistent. Just each episode is better than the like last. It just gets better yeah. and better. Um, and this one is certainly no exception. Oh, so. yeah. I mean, there's so many epic moments, right? Like some that we've been waiting for, some that we had no idea were coming, some that leave us going like, well, what the fuck? Like, what's yeah. happening? And it was interesting. I kind of noticed that the structure of this episode felt more like TV than usual. You know, like the back and forth between what was happening with Chantal and Hutch and then uh, with Diane and et cetera, et cetera, or I guess with Coop as well. Yeah, it just felt like more of a television episode. And I don't know if that's good, bad, neutral, but just something that I noticed. Down a dark and winding road, which feels familiar. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Mr. C and Richard ride in silence. Off the beaten path, Richard receives shocking news as Jerry bears witness to it all through the lens of bad binoculars. I don't know the rest of the words to bad company in that one part. Oh, okay, okay, okay. (laughs) Oh, wait. Can I I be doing Michael Jackson? You know you're bad binoculars. binoculars. (laughs) You know it. (laughs) I got stuck on... The dark and winding road. Road. Yeah. <laughs> that one. Anyways, great uh, love shocking news for Richard. That was uh, <laughs> primo. Love that one. Ah, thank you. Thank you. You know, mm, I hate this, but for the first time ever, I was like feeling bad for Richard in this moment. And yeah. when I pull back, I'm like, no, Richard sucks. He deserved to die. Fuck this dude. But I think it was more of a perspective of like somewhere inside of this kid is just is just a kid that wanted to know his father. And like none of us get asked to be brought into this world. And certainly we don't get asked to be brought into the world under the circumstances that Richard was brought into the world. So like it yeah. sucks. He's definitely made choices, you know, as an adult male that fuck him, but right. I don't know. Right. I hated that I was feeling so like, oh, goodbye, my son. <laughs> oh. Well, I think that that is probably what does it for me, to be honest, because it's, it's everything like you just said. I mean, Richard has, I, I feel like, been looking for something in his life, mm. right? And mm-hmm. he's done a lot of crude, nasty shit. We, we know he connected with Mr. C, but we know now it's because obviously that is his dad, right? So it was probably something inside of him too that just like felt maybe that connection. I don't know how that really works, to be honest, but nonetheless, yeah. And it was then the interaction between the two of them too. Like, oh, I got these coordinates. Oh, okay, let me help you. I I don't know. It was just, yeah, like, you could tell there was was a vulnerable Richard. Yes, there was, like, a childlike excitement when he yelled out, I'm here, and then he got fucking zapped, which, I mean, again, great. He deserved it. Shocking news and all, but I don't know. It was very vulnerable, yeah. He wasn't even around for the shocking news, which is that (laughs) he was his dad. I mean, I was like, you zip zapped off to 
floated your black silhouette like your shadow. Like it, that always reminds me of Peter Pan. And Peter Pan's shadow, right? Yeah. And where he's trying to chase it. So, like, that whole, like, where he's, like, now a shadow and he's, like, being sucked off. Or <laughs> <laughs> Not today. Not today. <laughs> Woo. Woo. Okay. Not today. <laughs> when he's being sucked up into the abyss. <laughs> I'm just going to stop talking after that. <laughs> you know what I mean. It looks like a shadow. Ooh, yeah. I thought I thought you were going to say it reminds you of the the woodsman that kind of floats away in the jail cell. Because yeah. it has the same kind of... Well, and even when the woodsman floats down in part eight, it has that same movement to it. So... Absolutely. Yeah. Poor Jerry. He sees the whole thing. Do you think there's any connection between... Him looking at the binoculars in the wrong way and what happens to Richard. Like, I don't think we could ever know how this kid gets zapped when he's up on this rock. Like, obviously, it's a trap that was set for Mr. C. But it's so interesting to think about how Jerry has been on this journey since, like, part one or part two. He was so excited for these edibles that he was about to take and the solitary sojourn or whatever he was about to go on. And this is where it led him. But he's also had these weird interactions with, like, I am not your foot. And, like, I don't know. Yeah. I always love thinking about the fact that he's using those binoculars wrong because it's in his best interest. If he had had those (laughs) the right way, he might have lost his vision. So... Hey, perhaps they're not bad binoculars, (laughs) but they're actually good ones. Okay. And uh, I think it's time for you to trot on back home, Jerry, um, since you did make it to the road. He won't. Uh, No, 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 no. But it would be my advice. He's going to continue to be lost, I think. (laughs) I mean, if Twin Peaks has taught us nothing, it's that like coincidences need to be paid attention to. So there's there's definitely a reason that he was there and saw something happened, but... One thing I do want to say, though, is the line, I'm 25 years your senior, has always irritated me. I mean, I get that he's using Richard to go out. Like, he's saying what he needs to say to get Richard to go up on the rock in his place. But the math doesn't add up for me on this one. So that was a blank face for me. <laughs> blank as a fart. Well, uh, do you mean Mr. He C have- wasn't 25 when he was born. Well, right? you're right. I mean, that was the first thing that popped to my mind. Yes, obviously, Mr. C didn't exist. Well, hold on. Wait a minute. Oh, don't. Let's yeah, but No, I don't think we should. But I just don't think it adds up. We've been down. Look, I've been down this uh, road before. Wait, I've been no, wait, down yeah. this dark winding road before <laughs> that only leads to bad binoculars. So, like, I just wanted to put You're it right, out You're right, though. Let's just put it out. Let's just. Keep it at the math really doesn't add up. Mm-mm, yeah. I mean, mm-mm. I don't know if that was his subtle way of trying to drop the hint to him that I know who you are. Or I like I you know what I mean? Because um from what I could gather, it was not a very okay, talkative, okay. chatty sure. um right. ride to electrocution rock, if you will. So I don't know if that was his way of trying to drop, hey. Wink, wait, or you know, like nudge, nudge. Right. I am twenty five years your senior, uh, but I don't think it res- that didn't resonate either. No. Alrighty, Chantal and Hutch lay the groundwork to take care of their big D problem when the FBI arrived to question the right 
Douglas Jones. When they talk, when uh, Hutch asks, did you hear that bird this morning? I thought, Waldo? I Okay, so I thought owl. I was like, maybe it For was sure. an owl. Yeah, yeah. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. But anyway. Well, this is what I meant kind of about how it feels more like a regular TV episode in some senses. Because, like, we're really just doing this, like, check-in and we're getting small beats with each character and, like, it's not the typical really long extended scene that we become so used to, I think, in the return. So yeah, I have very, exactly. like there's some scenes where I just have like one sentence of a note because there's really nothing happening. Well, with that, we can head on over to the hospital where Dougie appears stable, but in a coma. Bushnell, Janie E., and Sunny Jim discuss interesting details about comas when the Mitchum brothers arrive to provide nourishment in the form of finger sandwiches. (laughs) I just, I got to tell everybody that like, I am Tom Cruise standing on a couch level in love with the Mitchum brothers. Like Uh, that is my level of enthusiasm for them. Like they're just incredible. I love this. I am Harold in the stand pretending to do a Tom Cruise (laughs) in the mirror. (laughs) That is where I am at. Okay, sure. I loved them the first time around. Like I can't get enough. I get just, I want a spinoff of just the Mitchum brothers. Oh, I would in Vegas. love that. Like, yeah, du- they never even have to bring up Dougie or anything connected to Twin Peaks ever in in the existence of this this TV show. Just give me the the any the the inning workings inner workings whatever mm-hmm. of the Mitchum brothers on a day to day basis. Yeah, that's all I, I would want. love. That I would love yeah. to because I would love to see more interactions with them and the Pink Ladies as well. Like an like absolutely an everyday kind of thing that's not Rodney getting hit in the face with a remote, you know, <laughs> like another glimpse into their everyday life. But yeah, they're so fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure you know. I think I said this when we covered the episode with uh, talking backwards, but I'm sure the four million dollars or however much the settlement was, like that helped sweeten the pot for them. Like they definitely want to be, you know, really close with Dougie after that, but. I don't know. There's still something so genuine about them, like bringing the food, stocking the pantry. Like these are things that like close friends do in a time of crisis. Like this is real shit. Yeah. The whole thing, though. I mean, like, you know, Bradley saying all all things considered, it looked good. You know, I mean, I don't because I think we're all kind of getting the hints that this is probably what's going to bring like. Cooper back. So it's almost like the subliminal little drops in there of like, he even looks different, even though he looks not like not different at all. You know what I no. mean? Um, but yes, with the Mitchums, I mean, and then they, they had the audacity and perhaps Sunny Jim didn't know. But with a mother like Janie E and the sandwich skills that she has, I have mm. a feeling that he knows what a finger sandwich mm. is. Yes. Therefore, I was like, do not mansplain to this child about a finger sandwich. It was candy splaining. No, it was. You're right. <laughs> You're right. But still, like, okay, well, yeah, candy, bless your heart. Well, I'll just let it go then. I am all <laughs> over the place. What? <laughs> The fuck happened to me? You know, this ever since I said wild him, night. Yeah. sucked him off, I can't I can't get my footing back together. I cannot. I don't know okay. if I can continue. We'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. I do love this scene, though. I mean, just, yeah, I'll, I'll love it. And not just, you know, Bushnell and, like, like before the Mitchell brothers even showed up. I love the conversation about coma and electricity and yeah. 
Is it I mean, about that's the a good electricity? Point too. We shouldn't overlook <laughs> Bushnell. I mean, he yeah. he's definitely, you know, he's the other friend that's just there, you know, that just hasn't left your side and will be there for your support. Like, Dikey has amassed quite the allies in his short time. I, Mr. D, I guess, it's, I guess I should say, but. He has, yeah. yeah. He's got a strong friend game going on here mm-hmm. in Las Vegas, and he needs to keep him. He needs to keep him close. Squad goals. All right. In their makeshift headquarters, Gordon has a strange reaction to the machinery. Yep. I don't know if it's, you know, we've talked in the past about his hearing device. Is it somehow with the machines? Because when he had that moment with the windshield, the window washer, we were the center cut on that one, right? And they were like, well, it was it to interfere with the machines in there. That stayed in my mind when I was watching this scene because I was like, oh, I mean, Gordon is obviously picking up something through these electrical wires. And I I don't know, you Mm -hmm. know, So anyway, of course, it fades off into the ventilator, you know, in Dougie's room. But it's just, I don't know, ever since they pointed out with us about that being a possible connection, I was like, oh, and there's not a window washer in sight now. So what is Gordon listening to, you know? Yeah, I love the idea that these machines are somehow connected to different characters and different storylines and pulling back and getting a little bit meta about it, like David Lynch being the director and like monitor, like literally monitoring everything that's going on. And there's so many awakenings, I guess you could say in this episode that like, yeah, maybe it's connected to the hospital machines, but also maybe it's connected somehow to like whatever the zap of electricity is that we hear later on with Audrey to the stuff that's going on with Diane. Like there's something to me about him being tapped into all of the things that are, you know, coming up in this episode somehow or another. Yeah. So. Well, again, speaking of back at the hospital, Sonny Jim has to take a leak and Bushnell receives a call from Phil about the FBI looking for Dougie. Phil's another class act. He's a good dude. Love him. another one of Mr. D's allies. Another ally? Strong message relayer. I'm here to tell you right now, don't fuck with him in a game of telephone. Mm -mm. You will not win. And what I mean by that is if you are really hoping that by the end of the line, your message is not received correctly, Mm -mm. wrong. Wrong. Put Phil on it. And they're getting the entire message. That's right. Incorrectly. He doesn't even need a notepad. N- it's Hell no. all up here, baby. I was going to say, spectacle, the powers and the spectacles. Mm. Mm. Phil the is one smart man. The spectacle receptacle <laughs> is his brain. All right, here's the thing. Dur- David Lynch is such a phenomenal director. I was like, why would you let this slip? Those of us that are going to be tuned into this the way that we are how did you let this slip through your hands the man he barely got in his jacket pocket let's just be honest okay i no he struggled i mean perhaps that was just the best take they could get and he was ready to move on maybe it was the same day as the children maybe he was like i'm i'm fucking done we're gonna roll with this we do know that he tends to only do like one or two cuts of things so it could quite possibly be just the best one but it's so clear that the phone is not on it's so clear that he he doesn't even try to like turn it off lock it anything like and it's just like oh I think there's a pocket here let me try (laughs) 
Yeah, and also he's saying goodbye as it is halfway in his pocket. I'm like, at least full follow mm-hmm. through the scene. Follow through. That is such say a pet goodbye. peeve of mine on television too. too. Like when people when people don't even say goodbye, I'm like, but why though? Like I even say goodbye to what? people I don't want to be talking to, like a telemarketer. I'm like, hey, bye. Like, I still say it. Uh, honestly, yeah. I hung up on a telemarketer. <laughs> they called me the audacity. And they said, do you know so-and-so in Mexico? And I was like, no. But then I got worried. I was like, well, see, scammers are good. Because the weak-minded like myself are like, but wait a minute. Like, wait. Um- I have family members that travel there. Is this important? Anyway, they said, well, we have intercepted a, 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 a suspicious package. <laughs> and that's why I knew it was bullshit. And I said, oh, okay, bye. And I just hung up. <laughs> okay, and- bye. But you still said bye. <laughs> Wilson returns to the Jones residence as the Mitchum brothers arrive to stock the house. Chantal and Hutch go out in a blaze of glory. And don't you understand? People are under a lot of stress. The Cheetos are gone. The rag is on. And people are parked in front of driveways. <laughs> Thank you. The Cheetos are gone. And the rag is guess on. End <laughs> scene. Thank you. That, I'll be taking, that has to be I'll be something. taking that uh, Webby or whatever you call it in the podcasting world any day now. Okay. Cute. The potty, the webby, I like it. <laughs> I think this should pot. be a sticker, though. The Cheetos are gone, the rag is on. And I want us to just be <laughs> mad. I mean, because, honestly. Listen, like, m- when munchies are running out and I'm close to having my period, like, when I'm out of chocolate, I tell Tyler, like, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, you need to go to the store now and fix this problem because, like, ooh, rage mode. Yeah, yeah. But the audacity, and now y'all know I have been standing Hutch. I will still stand him. I have been standing him very hard. But for him to even ask, are you on the rag? I would have knocked his lights out. It's not a question you ask. It's just not. And also, does it matter? I really would have assumed, (laughs) given their relationship and how close and intimate they seem to be, he should know. Like, he has a fucking calendar. He can figure it out. Yeah. Plug it in your phone, bitch. All right? You keep up with it. Don't ask me questions. Correct. Okay? No. <laughs> because when you ask the question, it makes it worse. <laughs> exactly. It just yes. does. Yes. So, yeah. It's like being told to relax. It's the thing that makes you relax the least. Or, why don't you smile? Why don't uh, you go off? Yeah. Uh, okay. I have a question. Why does the FBI not step in sooner? What is wrong um, with Wilson? I, well, I literally was only going to say we are talking about Wilson. Uh, listen, love him. He's got several assholes at this point being ripped out left and right. Yeah. I mean, like, I didn't even mention earlier when old old guy was like, Wilson, you son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Move the car! I was just like, oh my God, this guy cannot catch a break. So, no. knowing this, though, and seeing that he didn't, now he had a partner in the car, okay. But seeing that he didn't like step in makes me wonder if his like boss guy that I never bothered to learn the name of, sorry, um, isn't just onto something about poor Wilson and just knows. And therefore, I have come to the conclusion here, here for two um, hints, Judge, that the reason they didn't step in is because it was Wilson. Case closed. <laughs> I mean, 
Probably. And like, I think so. there's part of me that wonders too, like maybe he was waiting for the easier time to step in when he could get a for sure win because he really needs to take home a win. Like oh, that's he true. cannot afford another L on his record. Nope. Mm-mm. Well, and you know what? Honestly, though, it was like really handed to him because the effort was minimal, even though he got out and did tell old, old boy to put his hands up. And the then guy he just was stood like, there. Well, I mean, he was like not going to resist it. He was like, just take me in. I don't care. So, yeah. I mean, he'd already you know. done what he needed to do. Clearly, this man had also had a very stressful day, was on the same <laughs> level as Chantal. And that was always going to end in a firefight, unfortunately. Woo. Tell me about it. And then you just have the the greatness that is the Mitchell brothers that are just like, put your gun down. <laughs> <laughs> let's get the girls. Let's get out of here. Let's get the, yeah. Let's get, get the girls and let's go. Like, I love the fact that they are like the mobsters and they were just like, I think we're going to bow out of this situation. Yeah. We will uh, catch y'all. I think we're good on this another one. Time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Their response to me feels way more in line with what we've seen for most of the return. Whereas, like, this accountant and Chantal, this is, like, the biggest response to something. Like, we've been so used to all of these, like, really passive reactions. And then this feels like the biggest overreaction to something. And I feel like it's just, it goes hand in hand with all of the shit happening in this episode. Like, I don't know, the energy is really electric. Uh oh! <laughs> boom! Yeah, I like it. But you know what I mean, and it it feels like Chantal and Hutch, or Chantal and the accountant, really are kind of like feeding off of the energy that's happening in surrounding scenes. Totally. We could talk about poor Sammy. Oh, okay. Dead. Yeah, Sammy's dead. Do well. I want to know. I think we've talked about this before, but do you think it's Sam from Sam and Tracy from the glass box? Sometimes I just like to check in with those questions that we have already discussed to see if like if Anything's if on changed? your neck if on this rewatch something has changed for you. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I'm still kind of in the camp of I don't know in what universe that Sam would owe Hutch money. So <laughs> I mean I mean my I'm only connection between them brain. is just that they maybe both work for Mr. C. So I don't know. True. You know, they went to a staff party one night. <laughs> Everybody was getting rounds of drinks. You know, one thing led to another. He didn't Venmo him. And, you and know, Hutch was like, see ya. We want to be ya. Yeah. That's yeah. it. I hate this. Inside. Yeah. Okay. You know what? You've, you've, you know what? You've convinced <laughs> me. Judge, guilty. Boom, boom. Yes. Great. That is who owed. Uh, that is who, that is the Sam, Sammy, RIP, that Hutch owed money to. Yeah. So. You know, well, he met a grisly fate. Sure did. The sounds of Tibetan healing bowls fill the room, leading Bushnell away and bringing Cooper back. Finally, Cooper receives an update on Mr. C from Mike. Everyone's excited to see Dougie back as he prepares to head to Twin Peaks. He's the FBI and he's back, baby. 100%. I am the FBI, goddammit. And every time I see that, don't you expect there to be a thumbs up and there's never All a the thumbs time. up? And I love that there's no thumbs up. It's, it makes it so much better. True. But I have, I, every time I go through the Mandela effect, Man- yes, yeah. yes, where I'm like, 
pretty sure a thumb used to be there. Thumb never was right. There. But yeah, every Even when time I I'm like pictures, and I'm like, where the fuck's his thumb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, even though every time I'm like, nope, I just have gone back through the wormhole because it was there. <laughs> mm. Yeah, <laughs> it know. just, it feels like a thumbs up moment, but it's not there. But damn, this is such an epic scene. Like, and obviously people have been waiting for it. And I feel like Mike is an audience surrogate in some ways when he's like, finally, right? Yeah. But on this watch, I was really struck by this feeling that I had that as soon as Cooper woke up, I was like, okay, time to go back to the pilot. I'm good now. Like, oh. I don't, I, cause like there's only two, there's only two that. hours left and like it really signals the beginning of the end. And I'm like, well, just instead of ending, let's just go back to the beginning. <laughs> and uh, that sounds good to me. But up. Okay. (laughs) I I get that. I do see exactly what you're saying with that. I think the reason we all expect and have the Mandela effect of the thumbs up is because when he looks to the side, like, and says, I am the FBI, it looks just like when he gives a thumbs up, you know, in the meme that's always circling around. Everything looks the exact same. So, yeah, it would only make you want to be like, I think I'm good. I don't know if I need to know anything else that's going on here. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we're on the home stretch now. So and Cooper is just so Cooper. So immediately, like there's no time to like mourn the loss of Mr. D. I mean, even when he's like, I think it's a good idea for me to be leaving or, or like Janie E says, I don't think this is a good idea. And he's like, Janie E, it's a good idea. And then the doctor's is like, looks like it's a good idea. The look that he gives Janie, like, see, fucking told you. It's so like, good. Don't, don't question me. <laughs> yeah. I am the FBI. Like, I don't think we've actually met. Hi, I'm the FBI. I know what the fuck I'm talking about. So. <laughs> right. I know we haven't been formally introduced, but my name is Dale Cooper. Okay. <laughs> I was about to say Dale Llama Cooper. <laughs> and, and I'm sorry, but no doctor. I don't care if you are Del Cooper. I mean, and I know it's a TV show and I'm just like, being funny here, but I just also was like, I'm going to need her to get fired. Like, first we got <laughs> Bushin with the phone and now we got this lady who's like, <laughs> no, she like, everything's great. You just woke up. We don't need to monitor you or your brain activity at all, sir. Please have a good day. She was, you know, have you ever seen somebody walking around with like headphones in, but it's not plugged into anything? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah. that was like that was like that but as a doctor she was like put the stethoscope like on the wall and was like he it it all sounds good so <laughs> <laughs> but to, not to take away it's a it's a fantastic scene i mean obviously oh, yeah. when the twin peaks theme kicks in oh my god i mean i have goose i got the got the chili bumps right now like don't get me wrong i fucking Die. It's perfection. It's everything you want. Like the, I think the it took us sixteen episodes that we got the fan service because, like, not only is Cooper back, but it's to the Twin Peaks theme. You know what I mean? Like it. Well, what's so interesting? I never noticed this before, but the theme kicks in while we're with the Mitchums. Yes, and I thought that was so interesting, but to me, it kind of further cements their importance in all of this. Like, Mm -hmm. 
I mean, why wouldn't you would think like in my head, it's another one of the like thumbs up type things. To me, the music has always kicked in as he sang, like I'm the FBI. Like that's the moment when it's all happening. But my brain has just made that up for me into this like more epic moment than it needs to be. But I oh, yeah, I love, I love when the music kicks in with the Mitchums. Love that they're just ready to go. They're gassing up the jet. No fucking question. Wonder what Dougie's up to now, as if he's ever been up to anything ever. Thank you. <laughs> I was going to yell thank you, but I think a simple thank you is sure. in order. Listen, this man has not, I think he's spoken one word the whole time you've known him, Mr. Mitchum Brothers, may I approach? And <laughs> I need to let you know, I've been watching a lot of court TV, in case you haven't noticed. Mm, I got a lot sure, of sure. court jargon on the brain. Gotcha. But So you're a bit like Charlie Kelly, bird lawyer right now. Ah, uh, 1,000%, <laughs> just so you're aware. I'm checking a false watch here to see how I'm just, doing on my time. Because I do have another client, so. <laughs> uh, because I, they're lined up around the block. Time no, is um, money, babes. <laughs> We are. May nuts. I call you babes? So I am sober. <laughs> yeah, exactly. May I call you babes? Back to reality. This man has just spoken like three complete sentences to you, and you are not at least a little bit like, I'm sorry, who is this? Like, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, side effects. That's right. <laughs> about that, babes. Forgot about that, babes. <laughs> oh my God. But honestly, this makes me lo- like, that's so silly, but it really makes me love the Mitchells more because to me, they're just a couple of airhead, like, mafia guys. A and I fucking bit, love, right? I love the combination of that, that they would be the quote-unquote mobsters would be such airheads. And I love this for them because, honestly, like, it's what makes them just perfect in my books. Yeah. And why I would watch 30 seasons of them doing nothing but nothing, to be honest. Like, they're hey. just, and they're great actors too. Like, they've got such a good chemistry. I don't know if yeah. you've been able to track down any of the behind the scenes with those two guys, but like, mm-hmm. they just make it come alive when they're on screen together. It's so great. Well, you know, I love Mr. Belushi. So, well, you didn't already know his name a few episodes ago, but what? <laughs> you know what? Let me just go on and say this. That's just. Let's see. Oh, excuse me. Okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> Just kidding. Oh. No, you're right. I was, I could not remember. Okay. Uh, I, I had a temporary mo- lapse in ju- judgment there. He plays this role. They both do. But I mean, they just play these roles so great because honestly, like, think back to the desert scene, right? Like, I mean, I was scared for Dougie. Yeah. You know, in that moment, because I was like, I'm fairly certain you're going to get fucking hurt because these two guys are unhinged. But it's like the more you sp- time you spend with them, the more you're like unhinged in a very different way. Yeah. <laughs> like, does the elevator go to the top and do the doors open? I don't think so. <laughs> Debatable. But I believe what Coop says later about them having hearts of gold, 100 percent. A thought which I have thoughts on. And but. this to me is like. What a character arc for two dudes that are in just a handful of episodes, not for a super long time. But the first time we meet them, they're kicking the shit out of somebody. And by the last time we see them, you know, up until this point, like they're dropping everything to do something for this man. So I don't know. I just think it's really great writing. 
Diane receives an alarming text, presumably from Mr. C. Rattled, she recalls something with Coop and heads towards the makeshift headquarters. She recounts a horrific event involving Cooper before being shot by Albert and Tammy. And much like our original Dougie, floats off to the lodge, revealing to be a tulpa. Yeah, this is just like probably my favorite sequence from The Return. Same. And it's it's all because of Laura Dern. Like she's just she's just fantastic. There's no two ways about it. From the minute that we see her in the bar till the minute she has her head blown up or whatever, <sighs> like she's just on point. And it's so fun is not the right word. Interesting is not the right like there's just something about It's fascinating. Yeah, and also like I don't know. I'm struggling to find the word, she but said, like, mm, no. <laughs> well, no, but, <laughs> but it thanks is. for the effort. <laughs> it is. It's interesting. It's fascinating. It's fun. What I'm getting at is there's this different side of Diane that we see in this performance oh, yeah. in this moment when she's finally revealing the details of this horrible night that she spent with presumably Mr. C. It does not yeah. feel like the Diane that we have known for however many parts she's appeared in up to this point. This feels yeah. like maybe real Diane. Absolutely. It's captivating. That's what it is. Because the yeah, change yeah. in everything is, it puts you on the edge of your seat because you have no clue up until they shoot her and then what happens. You, I, you have no idea what's even happening here. Right. We did fail to mention, obviously, up at the top in the opening scene that Mr. C did send, you know, the all text. But... I think, something- I think me remembering that this is our Patreon video literally sucked the juice out of the rest of our <laughs> memories. And it was like, that's you doomed us. You get one. You get you one us. great memory per episode. <laughs> Just kidding. Whatever. This is going to go down to the records, baby. Best episode yet. So, <laughs> yes, sh- Mr. Saying? C does send the text and then she yeah. receives it. And obviously, this triggers something. Right. Now, it's very, very interesting, okay? Uh, not only does... I, I I thought... I thought something about all is what triggered um, this shift in Diane. She sends off these numbers to whoever she's texting with. I still don't believe it's directly to Mr. C, so whatever. But, um, and says, I hope this works, you know, so, and then the scene progresses. I asked you earlier today, I got the wackadoodle of the century. You thought you were wacky asking if the pink ladies Mm -hmm. were the reincarnation of Laura, Caroline, and Annie. Mm -hmm. Wait till I lay this on you. All right, lay it on. Four, three, zero. Mm-hmm. What does it mean? I don't know. Richard and Linda. What, what does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Tell me okay. why. <laughs> Tell, me, Tell why me what these numbers are supposed to matter. Tell, Tell me what. Okay, well, I'm going to. So, four, three, zero. This is stupid, but just humor me. I cannot wait. I think when it dings, when the message dings, 
It's 4.30. Let me tell you why. Yeah, Because sure. when she looks, when she looks, oh, you know this already. No, but I don't know why you would think this is crazy. Oh, I was about to say, we probably fully talked about this and I'm not recalling it. Because if you look at the time on her phone, it says 16.32, which is 4.32. Mm-hmm. When you, she opens the message, it was received at... 1631, which is 431. Mm-hmm. It could have dinged at 1630, sure. which is 430. Mm-hmm. And the part that is I can't connect, uh, obviously, I'm a couple of minutes off here. Okay. I'm just thinking that because you, if you had it on vibrate plus ding combination, as I tested on my, I did a scientific, uh, I did the scientific method with this before I recorded, okay? I took my phone. I placed it on vibrate plus sound. Okay. okay? Depending on the second's hand, it very well could have vibrated and dinged at 4.30. Sure. And then the message be received, you know, at what? At right out, right on the clock hand. I'm just kind of going crazy here. What I can't connect is why... When she picks the phone back up later. Right. Is the time an hour different? Right. Because it's 1550. It's not even an hour. It's more than that. So why is it 350? Tell me why. <laughs> I know. What the- does it mean? <laughs> yeah, this is like, I mean, I think that fuels or feeds more fuel to the multiverse thing. Yeah. Now, this could be explained away, Judge, by she's in a panicky. She's recalling a very stressful, uh, traumatic experience that she's been under. Yeah. She has tunnel vision. She's not feeling herself, et cetera, et cetera. So when she picks up the phone to look at what she needs to look at on there, the blurriness on what we see of the phone could represent out of her eyes point of view. Sure. It could yeah. also be a symbol of a dreamlike sequence where she's tapped into another universe or she's tapped into what timeline, what does it mean when she says, I'm not me, mm-hmm. et cetera. Like all the dialogue we get. So yeah, that I don't I just didn't know if I had ever actually realized. That it was at 431, 432, right. and then I was like, 430? Y'all should have seen the text, because I wrote 432, and then I wrote, <laughs> no, 430. What does it mean? And what did we say it meant? I, I said, what does it mean? And I'm sure Jasmine was like, uh, I Well, I was trying to rack my brain to be like, what did we say it meant? Oh, my God. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't think that's wacky at all. I think that makes perfect sense. I think there's got to be something happening, though, with multiverse or, you know, fucking of timelines because one of the one of the texts has a period at the end of all and one of them doesn't. And you're like, it's shifting times. And it's almost yeah. like there. Sometimes I wonder if there were two of them sent from different numbers because One of them seems to activate her to go upstairs and tell this story. And the other one seems to activate her as in like, I'm not me. Like, it feels like this is a two-step process. 
And what's interesting about that, though, is it feels like if we were in sequential, you see that? I've been studying. Oh. If it was in sequential Using order. Using your thesaurus, I see. Ah, <laughs> uh, th- thesaurus all day, baby. <laughs> Call me a thesaurorian. Oh. Anyway, um, that makes a zero. Professor thesaurus. <laughs> if it's in sequential order, what I'm trying to get at here, I don't understand why it's an hour behind. It's just weird. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So probably whatever. It's never meant to be figured out. And that whole part too, because this is the first time that Gordon has anticipated Diane before. He did it the right. last time right. she came in. Yep. So that didn't seem too extraordinary to me because I was like, well, he's sensed her in another instance before. So Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, not to say he's not tapped into something, but I, I didn't give that too much thought. Sure. The retelling of the sexual assault was was a lot. Obviously, it's not any better the second time around. I can say that. And when she looks at the phone, it's almost like it reboots her again. It's almost like she was like yeah. puttering a little bit. And then she looks and then she's like, <gasps> right. You know, and I was like, oh, they're just what? power is in what's happening here it's yeah yeah it's great the other thing too is that her bracelets switch uh positions so like down at the bar the yellow bracelet is in front and then when by the time she gets off the elevator the red bracelet is in front so again multiverse different timelines whatever but this like her, like basically her entrance music, which maybe maybe Gordon hears her entrance music and is like, "Come on in, Diane, love that track." Yes. I did a remix Can of it once. <laughs> only be Diane, just so you all know. Okay. Well, but could it also be Mr. C? Because that's the music that we heard when he was I being know. introduced. So it mm-hmm. it creates this explicit connection between the characters, which fine. Like I don't think that's you know. I don't think that's far-fetched. There is an explicit connection beyond that, right? Like, after we hear this story. And yet, the lyrics also imply a very independent type of woman. So, that sits a little confusing with me. And I, I haven't really had time to explore it much more, but I wanted to put it out there of, like, it's an interesting choice of music because, yes, I think within this universe, it definitely connects her with Mr. C, but... Mm, he knows we're listening to these lyrics like he's purposely and he David Lynch has purposely chosen music to go at the end of episodes that fit with the tone that say something about what's happening like so I don't know that really struck me the song choice itself to connect to Mr. C is great I believe the part when he's introduced lyrically is like a different part of the song I could be wrong about that, but it, I feel like I think it is lyrics. I don't know that we and get that many lyrics for Mr. C either. R- right. I think we get like maybe one, but yeah. I don't think it has to do with independent ladies. Throw your hands up at that is me. Definitely the song. <laughs> <laughs> That's Mr. C's jam. No. Um, Can you I don't think- imagine Mr. <laughs> C rolls down that dark road at night and it's just all the women who independent. <laughs> Throw your hands up at me. And yeah, he is just baritone. rocking the fuck <laughs> out in the car. Oh, yes. Love all it. the single ladies. <laughs> all the single ladies. Yeah, if no, you like it, you better put yeah. a ring on it. If you like oh. it, you better put a ring on it. Can 
you imagine? <laughs> if you like it, you should have put a barrette in it. If you like it, you should have put a barrette in it. Don't need want. <laughs> oh, oh my god, this is great! Wow. So yeah, right. great, great scene. Fantastic sequence. One other thing I wanted to say. As much should have as we've given Tammy, I was actually really appreciative that she was in the scene because I feel like she connects with this material a lot different than like Albert or Gordon would. Even the look on her face feels a lot more compassionate. Not that I feel like Diane really needs that, but I wonder if like women in the audience really kind of needed that a little bit, like a more compassionate kind of sounding board to be in the room with her. I don't know. For me, it made a difference for sure. So yes, uh, same. I'm glad Tammy was there. Um, I honestly, I love the childlike wonder like that. Like when you're small and you see Santa, right? And you're like, oh my God, he's real. Mm. There he is. And mm. it's just like, you know, Uncle yeah. Fred dressed up down at the mall. But anyway, uh, <laughs> this is not a family show. Spoiler alert. It's almost like the twinkle in the eye type thing when she was like, Topas, they're real. That's <laughs> you true. Know? Yes. I would, it would be how I would imagine if I actually saw a unicorn, I'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> I knew you were real. Dougie meets up with the Mitchums to head to Washington and tearfully says goodbye to Janie E. and Sunny Jim. He catches the Mitchums up on his true identity, but assures them that he's got their crime-ridden backs covered. Okay, the hearts of gold. How crazy would it be? Because the Twin Peaks theme does kick in with the Mitchums. Mm-hmm. To avoid any spoilers, the Mitchums are going to, we'll see them at another point in something super pivotal. But for him to just say, I know a heart of gold is a saying, but in the sure. gold in the Twin Peaks world, mm-hmm. I would die if they were like White Lodge agents this whole time. Yeah, or like, I mean, we've even talked about the connection of gold and tulpas, like, the whole conversation about, like, why is the Laura Ball gold? Like, why was the little boy's spirit gold? Like, gold. Yeah. Why yeah. are the shovels gold? Like, what? what is that connection with that color? So, uh, yeah. I love I it. I would love it, it's a, I mean, again, it's purposeful. It's a specific, yes, it's a saying that people say outside of Twin Peaks, but they he could have worded it in another way, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I love this. Uh, scene two, though, just, I mean, obviously, I love the way that they're they're talking to each other and they're like, I can't process until I have my Bloody Mary. It's sure. fantastic. Yeah. But I also have a hard time not focusing on the pink ladies and candy specifically. In the limo, the whole thing, like, I guess because they're in the front of the frame of the scene, I don't know. But yeah, it's, it's like the whole time I can hear the dialogue that's happening between... Cooper and the Mitchums. I can hear them talking, but I could only like keep my focus on like watching Candy. I don't know what it is. Yeah. She's just captivating and her movements and everything. It's true though, too, the way that it's framed. Like they are closer to us technically. So yes. I can see why they were taking up your attention for sure. Uh, yeah. And I guess there's all this stuff with Janie and Sunny Jim. I feel terrible, <laughs> but this time around, I was like, can we? When we get on with it, though, because, like, I don't really care. I mean, honestly, I was like, got it. Yeah. As soon as he said he was the FBI, I kind of was like, 
let's get through the this Janie E stuff. Yep, yes, Sunny Jim, he can drive. <sighs> yes, Janie E, I know you want to hump him on the freeway. Like we Big get time. it, okay? Yeah. Got Road it. Like, head for that guy. <laughs> suck it right off. <laughs> that would be an inappropriate insertion. No. <laughs> Of that what is happening tonight? <laughs> I don't know. I'm Ooh. sorry. Bookhouse babes, if this wasn't your cup of tea, let us know. <laughs> I mean. Or perhaps you're finally, after all this time, seeing the real us. I don't know. No, I'm just Maybe, kidding. but I feel like I feel like this is us. It's just like a lot of us in one recording. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you're right. I try we try to keep it a little more profesh, but whatever. I guess we are so. who we are. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's not like that stuff isn't touching, like, the goodbye. And I totally understand why Cooper felt the need to do that. And I think that it would feel not like Cooper at all if he didn't do something like that. But it really reminded me of, like, kind of the first two seasons or normal Twin Peaks, as Dave would call it. Dave from the center cut. Because it felt kind of soap opera-y in that way. Like, the music was swelling, and there was tears, and it was just, it was kind of extra. And I was like, all right, this seems to fit in with, like, a different style of the show. Like, this is what we're used to at this point, I think. And it, like, let's be real, it was a little overacted, which is not a bad thing. I enjoyed it. Probably on purpose. Like, yeah. I mean, the moment when they were like, you're not Tuggy? I am Dougie. You I are was like, my dad. <laughs> like, which, what a callback to Donna. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Not Donna. <laughs> no, you're right. I was Not say, Donna. <laughs> <laughs> are you my daddy? Okay. Uh, yeah. You're no, daddy. you're right. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Let's go to the roadhouse. All right, at the Roadhouse, the artist, also known as Eddie Vedder, serenades the crowd with Out of Sand. Audrey and Charlie arrive and toast to themselves slash Billy. We cut to Audrey's dance, and I can't keep the tears back. Disrupted by a drunk asshole fighting over his wife, Monique, Audrey asks Charlie to get her out of there as she awakens to a mirror, white room, and electricity. And if... Obviously, you're not watching this on the video. I do have my Audrey cutout behind me, and it is the moment where she is dancing um, in this episode in the Roadhouse. And, it, and she is really wearing is her beautiful. very own Abby oh. Darling Customs crystal necklace, which she looks has. fucking fab on her. This is to ward off any more mm. Mr. C's yes. fuckery. Leave my I like queen that. alone. This is, I mean, this is another huge moment. Like, this is the final awakening of the episode, but it's still, it's also, like, man, this episode just has so much energy. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe the energy of this episode has just infiltrated the recording and, like, set our nervous systems to frayed or whatever. I believe it. We are the evolution of the arm. That's what our nervous system looks like at this point. At this point. At this point? Chew me up. And pop me on top of a stick. I am the evolution of the arm. <laughs> I would agree with that. I think that this episode definitely brought an energy. And I think it's come through. Mm-hmm. Because everything in this episode, and, and to end like we did with this, it it packs so much punch. Like yeah. Every single thing we go through. Listen, Richard gets electrocuted. Cooper finally comes back. Diane's a tulpa. Audrey's, we don't know. She's 
obviously but, but not something really happened. Like she made it but to the yeah. roadhouse, and then we see her in we see her in two different environments in this episode than we've seen her right. in for the entire return. So it is different. It's it has more of a dynamism to it. Like there's movement and. That is just so apparent throughout the whole. I mean, even the Chantal and Hutch thing, like we were saying, it feels so big. Maybe that's why the goodbye with Janie E feels so big, too. And it's like, that's just not the the bigness that I was like interested in while watching it this time around. (laughs) Hey, you heard it here, folks. That was not big enough for her. Move along. No, I like a good, good girthy eggplant. Okay. This scene in particular, though, is beautiful, obviously, because A, Out of Sand is such a fucking beautiful song. Yeah. It, right off the bat, makes me want to cry, even if I don't even know yet the first time around that it was attached really to Audrey yet. Right? But I mean, like, the lyrics are beautiful. I mean, again, purposeful because I know he's not saying Diane, but it sounds a lot like he's saying uh, Diane. Yeah. Let's face it. Yeah. Um, he's also announced. So we've got The Nine Inch Nails, James, Lissy, and Edward Lewis Severson being announced. So what does that mean? I don't know. Stay tuned for post-return chats. We'll, we'll figure yeah. it out. Oh, for sure. Have you heard our detective work so far this episode? Well, you have that. But then once Audrey enters, uh, this there, to me, there's a nervous energy that kind of begins. Yeah. I felt an uncomfortable vibe. Okay. Yeah. In all of her past scenes. This time wasn't uncomfortable. I felt anxious. And it's probably because she was also giving off the... I don't know it to me. It felt like I don't know where I'm at or like, I don't know what I'm doing. It had a very confused feeling to it coming from the character, which is what I guess made me feel anxious. So, and I mean, I I wonder how much of that too, sorry to interrupt, but just how much of that too might be because you also know what's coming. So you're kind of tapping into a different level of the energy, I think as well. True. It very well could be. Yeah. But then there's the, you know, obviously, I love the dance part. Yeah. It's wildly sticks out like a sore thumb because you're like, what, what's what's happening? <laughs> like, right. Well, and I guess I should say then she's also announced. So that would be like the well, fifth, that, right. the fifth like, thing Audrey's that's announced. Dance. Yeah. Like, yeah. why? Why are these people swaying along to the music? But regardless, it is so beautiful. Like, as soon as she hears, like, the song kick in, she can't help herself but get up and get into it and it's the first time we see her smile in this whole thing it's the first time that she feels anything like her true true self like I know we've commented on like well this is the Audrey that gets what she wants like that attitude has been there but there's something really revealing about the dance where it's like there's Audrey there she is yeah the way it's interrupted, that doesn't feel foreign to the roadhouse. So, like, Screaming Girl from last episode. Sure. Um, also, the even though like, it doesn't matter, but, like, James fighting at the bar. Like there, yeah. It, there always seems to be a melancholy or uh, innocence-type scene, something happening that is disrupted by yes. something jarring, scary, 
etc. Yeah. And this prompts her. It's almost like I got these vibes, right? These uh, parallel vibes between the text that Diane got that changed mm, her. Yeah. And then her looking at the phone again to recharge herself. That vibe. But for Audrey's case, it was something has something has happened. And her text or her refresher is to say, Charlie, get me out of here. Right. Because you get a a mirror, which we all know what, like Bob's always in a mirror. I know this. She, I don't think she has anything to do with Bob. I'm just Ooh. saying like, here's, here's a mirror. Yeah. Or does it? I don't know. But I really tried to find this time around of, and I'd never found it before. And foolishly, I thought perhaps it's hidden in the background, but there is no ceiling fan. Um, mm. But then you had the electricity sound. Yeah. Uh, which, don't get me started on it, because now that Richard's been fried, I want to add Richard getting fried, Dougie getting fried, Audrey getting fried. I, I, I want to put so many of these electrical like moments happening yes. at the in the multiverses, just different, you know, things going on. So well, and like I actually I had this question for right at the top, but I missed it in my notes. But the idea that there are so many awakenings in this episode, and in what way are they connected? And like I kind of started wondering, did Cooper waking up affect Diane and Audrey? Like, did he somehow, did him becoming 100% lessen their percentages? (laughs) Like, if that makes sense. So he kind of took up all of the available energy or whatever. And like, I was about to say, he was an energy. Yeah, yeah. there were energy sources for him. Sure. Which how fitting. (sighs) Men. No, I was going to (laughs) say draining all our energy. No. I don't know what's up with Audrey. I don't think we ever will. I have so many thoughts now about where Audrey is. What is she undergoing? Like, because you can do hypnosis therapy or you can do even TM, like anything like that, that raises your consciousness like out and, and you play through scenarios or you visit dreams or you visit thoughts like you you really tap into the subconscious and let yourself be free with that for a little while. Yeah. Um, the hypnosis thing is really good with trauma. Like I've, I haven't done hypnosis, but I've done a type of therapy for PTSD and trauma um, where this sounds funny, but I, I wore headphones and I wore these <laughs> sunglasses from the future is what I used to call them, but they have little red dots in, in them. Okay. And the red dots help you reform um the traumatic memories into yeah it was it was something that was very very new in texas when Mm. i was doing this it's not offered here but nonetheless what i'm saying is there are methods out there for trauma where you go into these kind of states like the earphones it was like a lumen message or something from severance but it was just like a okay you know breathe Feel your toes, feel, you know, and then until you don't really hear what's happening in the earphones anymore, you're just within whatever it is that you're trying to address. I say all that to say this. She could be like getting outpatient treatment to 
you know, restructure that trauma. Yeah. So, A, I don't think that she's coming out of a coma. B, I don't think that she's in a quote-unquote institution. C, I don't think she's in a simulation. Mm-hmm. I do think that whatever she's doing is something to address what she's been through from the last time we saw her in season two. To what marker, I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. know how long she has not been around right. Richard, but I am firmly believing that Richard has memories of his mother in some capacity. Maybe they weren't good. Maybe they were traumatic for him because she yeah. was physically there, but in a way, an absenteeism parent. Sure. There's a, But I, I'm starting to feel that it's more of that kind of direction but will we ever know? I don't know. Mm. So I just went on a long tangent to tell you I don't really know what she's doing, but that's what I hope she's doing. Yeah. You know. I have never really been on the she's still in the coma theory until this watch. Because earlier oh. in the episode, yeah, just purely based on how earlier in the episode, Janie E says, sometimes when people go in a coma, they stay there for years and years. That's That's a paraphrase. But I thought that that was just an interesting thing to say earlier in the episode where there's like a ton of movement for the Audrey storyline. So, well, also, they do say that that coma had to do with electricity and we'd see her come Mm. out of this roadhouse with electricity. So very well could be. That's a good point, too. Yeah. I also, in the past, I've not wanted to say this because I think. People are very protective about Audrey, but I also think like she's just dead. The last quote unquote real thing we saw was her getting blown up in a bank explosion. And I just think like with the introduction of the question, who is the dreamer? We then also have to ask, what is the dream? Like, is it what we're seeing? But also I think this kind of has been on my mind since we chatted with Abby back in part 12 this whole thing of like, if she is dreaming or if these are somebody else's dreams about her or whatever, like, or if she's dead, like, it does not matter really what's happening with Audrey because I still enjoy all of the stuff that we get and it doesn't lessen it for me in any way, shape, or form. Like, I don't think she is less of a character than Janie E because Janie E is supposedly in the real world. Like, Right. So for and especially because of the importance that we place on dreams, otherworldly things, excuse me, it shouldn't matter, really. But it's fun to think about and speculate. But yeah, absolutely. But I mean, what a way to end it. I mean, and then the fact that the music keeps playing, but it's in reverse. Yeah. What are you trying to tell us, Lynch? What does it mean? Tell me what. (laughs) That's just our song for this. (laughs) For this whole episode. Well, let's get into some dedications. Oh, yeah. Diane's Tulpa. My poor, sweet Diane's Tulpa. I mean, fuck you, babe. Fuck you. Hey, honestly... Yeah, this is a sad day for all of us. However, the last things that she utters is fuck you. I'm like, still rock and roll in my book, babe. She just, yeah, she went out on a high note, like for real. And (laughs) she just, her black spirit floated up to the big fuck you in the sky. And 
I'm here for it. I'm here for every minute of it. I loved this tulpa. I'm a tulpa stan. It says it in my fucking opening credits, okay? That's right. And I the love other it. the other dedication this week is going to go to Tammy's mind because it was blown to bits when she discovered the tulpas were real. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, we don't need real in memoriam music for that shit. <laughs> uh, no. Well, we are going to head into the spoiler slash connection section, but before we do that... Won't you um, bring us your electricity? Won't you zap us some stars over on your favorite podcast platform? I mean, if you enjoyed this episode. And I can't see why you wouldn't have because it was messy as fuck. And I think it's maybe our best. So five stars, please. I'm worst at what I'm best. And for that, I'm blessed. Uh, That is the great Kurt Cobain. So yes, uh, Shoot us over those stars. Beautiful. Um, yeah. Also, if you want to hang out with us, um, over on the socials, we are on Instagram at TV. You can find me at Superficial Males. And you can find me at DamnFineWitch. And you can also find me at Patreon.com slash TV. What a transition. <laughs> And speaking of Patreon, we did mention it up front. It did curse us for the entire fucking episode, but this is our video for the month of June. So if you want to see me in all of my early sunburned glory, uh, because I could not hide it because the shirt was irritating me too much. So I do have a shirt on, just to be clear. Head over Ah! to patreon.com slash damnfight. This ain't only fans. Not yet. We we might have an only ceiling fans coming, but... Stay ooh, tuned. Ooh. Stay tuned. Yeah. Also, over on Patreon, you know, you'd be able to see my my uh, cardboard cutout of Audrey. That's right. Um, you may also have the same one from Showtime, but I highly doubt you have the same Abby Darling's necklace hanging from it. So. <gasps> That's true. You have not accessorized her the same. We can guarantee it. <laughs> we are heading into the spoiler slash connection section. Anybody not joining us, we'll see you soon for part 17. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. And we're back in the spoiler slash connection section. I don't have anything. I tried not to be too spoilery about us not ever seeing Audrey again, obviously, but whatever. I don't think that that matters. But I, I'm not going to lie by saying uh, it leaves me satisfied. It, it's, it's not like that you don't have to tell me and I'm satisfied. Feel I'm not going to lie and say it's like that for me. Um, I'm not going to say I hate it, though, because I don't. It's just one of those things where if there is one thing about the return, it has always been, I just could maybe used a little bit more on Andre. Right. Um, but yeah. it probably would have ruined it and and it wouldn't have been so what I was know, ex- right? thinking. Like, it, that's true. So honestly. And I mean, I know I that she did not like whatever David Lynch approached her with to begin yeah. with. And I'm so curious to know what that was because... Well, I mean, how could you not be curious about that, right? But absolutely, yeah. <sighs> like, the, ju- knowing that Sherilyn Fenn liked this and came on board for this, 
It really that, makes you wonder what the other one was. Well, that, <laughs> and it also makes me very comfortable with this storyline. Yeah, for sure, for sure. There's something about the actress having seen a, a different plot for this character, seeing this one, and feeling like, hey, that's her. This is exactly what would be happening, or this resonates, or whatever. Like, I don't know. It, there, there's just something about that agency that I think makes it sit better with me. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I I do not disagree. I just, for me personally, like, I like the way we left Nadine. Um, right. And so I guess, like, just that selfish part of me was like, I wish I had a little more of Audrey because those being my two favorite characters, me being so happy about how we left Nadine. Yeah. It right. Just makes me want for that. But again, I mean, we don't see Becky again. We don't see Shelly again. We don't see... I mean, we we really don't Ugh. get that much between Bobby and Shelly, which was always a big True. thing for me. I mean, yeah. we don't even get any Moira Kelly as real Donna. So, I mean, that's a huge fucking deal. All right, you got anything for the spoiler section? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> how, how crazy would it have been, though, if Donna came back and Ugh. it was more... <laughs> I mean, I would have loved that, honestly. I I would have too. But I like no. This is no shade to Donna as a character, but I am like so. I'm not basing this off of Laura Flimbol or anything or like that. Yeah. I'm just kind of glad that Donna wasn't around. Like I have Donna fatigue by the end of season two. Yeah. So I don't have anything like really though about the spoiler yeah. section. I am. I'm just excited. You know, it's bittersweet, but I am excited for the next two episodes because Same. I am super excited after having some new conversations since my first watch. I am super excited to revisit this and maybe pay a little bit more attention to the things I know are going to be there right. around around Carrie Page and things yeah. like that. So I'm so excited to see more of Cheryl Lee. Like, I feel like <sighs> everyone already knows how much I love Firewalk with me. So you know, Cheryl Lee coming back is going to be really nice. Uh, and I'm looking forward to whatever we do after the return that just are like these all encompassing conversations. Like I obviously love the show, but I'm getting to a point where like, I don't want to talk about the individual episodes anymore so much. Like I want to talk about big overall things. So, well, one thing I wanted to just kind of get out of the way because I don't know, like after my big Judy thing last week, I was like, all right, well, it's not fully fleshed out, is it, Jasmine? Like, let's relax. Let's pull it back <laughs> a little bit. But I just I just wanted to like address that and be like, obviously, I haven't thought about all of the ins and outs of, you know, if Judy is this force of the pain that women endure or whatever. Like, I don't know what that means for the end of part 18. I haven't looked at it through that lens yet. So hopefully more to come. And I assume that one of our post-return chats will be about Judy or, you know, maybe not specifically Judy, but I'm sure Judy will come up. So, you know, but I just wanted to say like, that. When we were talking about this thought around Judy and the pain and suffering, did we talk about the final scene of The Return at all? I don't think we did. No, we didn't. But you just saying pain and suffering, I th I think it's pain and sorrow. Okay. Garmin, okay, but, okay. But, but, Fair. but regardless. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Well, I don't, I don't even know if you were trying to connect it to Garmin Bozia, but now that's a whole other no. thing that, oh God, that, 
we could do a whole show on Garambosia. But no, no, I, when I was thinking of suffering, which this is probably, you know, red flag, I was thinking about childbirth. It's not a suffering thing, but it ain't pleasant. Let's just Mm-mm. be honest. No. Um, it's pain and it's sorrow. It's body trauma. It is, yeah. I mean, even though it's something beautiful that comes out of it, I mean, you know, little tiny baby, but yeah, like your cooch gets ripped up if you have a baby that way. But anyway, um, let's let's move on. But that scream yeah. that Carrie lets out is also, listen, it's very much like the Booth Girl scream, yeah. It, Whose name it, is Ruby, by the way, and we should have talked about how, like, Ruby, oh. Jade, it's also red, like, blah, blah, blah. Anyway. Okay, this also a gem. Yeah. Um, not a sunny gem, a gemstone. Okay, do you ever feel relief when she screams? A lot of people, it's, it's like, jarring, but for me, I'm always like, it is this weird relief where it's like, okay. All right, we made it. Like, I I don't know where we made it to. So also, like, when we're talking about letting out Judy, like, in the form of a scream, yeah, I mean, you're also, like, how do you feel after you scream after a bad day? You feel relieved, right? So, yeah, just going further with what we were talking about with Judy, I mean, I feel like it's the scream theory. (laughs) Scream! Anyway, the scream theory that we have <laughs> woven into Twin yes. Peaks. Now, it works for Carrie's character as well, you know? Um, yes. I think the missing piece for me right now is because for so long I've thought of that as the heroes lose. Because that scream is so much Garbambosia that they need to feed on, that these Lodge spirits need to feed on. But now if we're looking, and I guess that still could be the case even if Judy is like maybe just Judy is not the thing that's behind it like maybe it's still just like the Black Lodge at large that's behind it instead of you know Judy as the the big big bad or whatever but maybe also I lost my train of thought and maybe I you know as I've said before maybe I never bought the ticket I don't know but it's gonna take time for me to was it expensive Look, Did I don't know. I don't remember. I think like maybe my innie bought it or something. And I don't know. It's not It's not in my phone. So I don't have the record. And Listen, I understand that. Yeah. Yeah. My point being here is that like it's obviously not fully fleshed out. I need to do more work with it. So haters sure. that came for me after last week's episode. <laughs> Nobody cares. I know. I know. I just when I, I edit episodes it. and I hear stuff, I'm like, oh, my God, I need to clear that up. And no, but you know what I love about it is that we think so highly of ourselves that we have haters out there, okay? Oh, we Listen, definitely have haters. We know you're out there, okay? No, yeah. no. Um, it's almost like how you talked about it in a fire walk with me. She's crying and it's mm-hmm, beautiful because mm-hmm. she's accepted yes. that that is her fate. And I thought to myself at that point, that is her release. But yeah. I almost really like her release being this primal scream at I, the end I of the return. I think they both are. I think there's a lot of echoes sure. between the two endings. Like, I see them so similarly in a way. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> I also kind of like thinking of that being... Charlie, get me or get me out of here, Charlie, or all or whatever it may be that 
uh, thing that triggers a reboot or whatever you want to call it. Okay. But that scream being, now my train ticket is lost too. Oh, that scream being what Cooper, uh, God. <laughs> anyway, you know what I'm trying to say. Is the, it's like what reboots Cooper in some way. I'm going to stop. Mm. That's it. <laughs> no, no, no. I like that. I do like that. Yes. Because I think we've also said before that at the end of part 18, like, what happens? Do we literally just go back to the beginning? Like, is this a loop? Like, what? And then this idea of rebooting. Yeah, that's great. Woo! Wait. What a wild ride. The, the Marshlands ain't got shit on this episode. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> We definitely got on our bikes and goed to this <laughs> one. <laughs> fucking wet. <laughs> okay, I have one more small thing. In whatever episode, I can't remember which one, but Gordon did reveal that he felt something was off after he hugged Diane. Yes. Now, this isn't exactly the same thing, but Diane says that after Cooper, who we probably can assume is Mr. C, kissed her, that's when everything went wrong. And obviously there's more to it because he does take her to like the convenience store and possibly makes her into a tulpa at this point. We're not sure. But I do want to know, like, is there something about this physical connection to check if people are real? Because we're going to see Diane and Cooper kiss in the next episode and then they do it again before they cross over and there is this question of like do you remember everything or is it really you and then some sort of physical connection whether it's kissing hugging blah 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 so like maybe they actually aren't in love or in a relationship but there is something about a magic that happens in that kind of thing. I mean, we can even relate it to like the sex magics from the first episode and the secret history. Something yeah. in there that reveals the validity of someone. I like that, actually. I think that perhaps they're great friends. I think that you're meant to know that anyway, right? Because, sure. I mean, she's a tape recorder in the first two seasons. But I like the idea of a kiss being like a temperature check, right? Like a... Right. If you want to know if they're a tulpa, it's in their kiss. That's where it <laughs> That's is. That's where it is. Oh, yeah. Or okay. is it in well, the... Okay. Yep. Well, if that's all for this week, we're gassing up the jet and heading to Spokane. Let's get a round of Bloody Marys and listeners, we'll meet you in Washington for part 17. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever eaten moldy chocolate? The tardigrade? I'm Jasmine. I swear on Satan, I'll do that. Yeah. That's uh, my head cannon. Okay. Into it, into it, into it, into it. All of it. I'm Mel's. I love it. Dum, 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 dum. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> and if you're watching TV, I love it. Make sure it's damn fine TV. This is amazing. That's, that was awesome. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. <laughs>